Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. My name's Stuart, I'm the Minister at St Ninian's in Stonehouse, which is in Scotland. We are a local ecumenical partnership between the Church of Scotland and the United Reformed Church and that means we reflect both traditions in our work and worship. So let's listen to our reading for this week and then get on to the sermon. First reading this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. 15 to 20. Today I give you a choice between God and evil, between life and death. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I give you today, if you love him, obey him, and keep all his laws, then you will prosper and become a nation of many people. The Lord your God will bless you in the land you're about to occupy. But if you disobey and refuse to listen and are led away to worship other gods, you will be destroyed. I warn you here and now, You'll not live long in that land across the Jordan that you're about to occupy. I'm now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse, and I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. Love the Lord your God. Obey him and be faithful to him. And then you and your descendants will live long in the land that he promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. second reading is from Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 to 37 you've heard that people were told in the past do not commit murder anyone who does will be brought to trial but now I tell you whoever is angry with his brother will be brought to trial whoever calls his brother you good for nothing will be brought before the council and whoever calls his brother a worthless fool will be in danger of going to the fire of hell. So if you're about to offer your gift to God at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go at once and make your peace with your brother, and then come back and offer your gift to God. If someone brings a lawsuit against you and takes you to court, settle the dispute with them while there is time before you get to court. Once you are there, you will, hand over to the, you will be handed over to the judge, you will hand over to the police, and you will be put in jail. There you will stay, I tell you, until you pay the last penny of your fine. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But now I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman and wants to possess her is guilty of committing adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to sin, take it out and throw it away. It is much better for you to lose a part of your body than to have your whole body thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is much better for you to lose one of your limbs than for your whole body to go to hell. It is also said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But now I tell you, if a man divorces his wife for any cause other than an unfaithfulness, then he's guilty of making her commit adultery if she marries again, and the man who marries commits adultery also. You have also heard that people were told in the past, do not break your promise, but do what you have vowed to the Lord to do. But now I tell you, do not use any vow when you make a promise. Do not swear by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is a resting place for his feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not even swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. Just say yes or no. 
Anything else you say comes from the evil one. Amen. I have to be honest, there are some weeks when I look at the readings on a Monday and I think, nah, let's do something else. Let's pick something easier, something that's less obscure. And, and this week's reading from Matthew is just really hard. It's painful for lots of people. It opens far too many cans of worms. There are too many opportunities to hurt people who are already hurting and to make a whole load of people feel really, really guilty. But this is the text for this week. And the task of preaching isn't to pick and choose. If I meant what I said last week about our task of taking Scripture seriously and wrestling with it and doing the hard work and the learning and discussing and interpreting and listening, then we can't just skip ahead. We can't just ignore difficult passages like this. So let's have a go. Let's see what on earth Jesus might be talking about. The first thing to say is that this is the same thing as last week. We're still in chapter 5. This is still the Sermon on the Mount. It's still the same people who are sitting in front of Jesus, listening to him teaching and preaching. And just like last week, that means we can't make the mistake that we so often make and pull these verses apart. They're not separate. They all come as one speech. And the context is really, really important. Perhaps this week more than ever. These are verses that we can take and read from the Bible. And sometimes we do that, don't we? We take individual verses and we read them and they speak to us. You know, we put them up on the wall. Do things like that with them. Just single verses, completely out of context. And they say something important to us. But I'm not sure that this passage is one of those. The Beatitudes came first, remember? Three weeks ago, we looked at this strange list of blessings. Blessed are the meek and the poor in spirit and those who mourn. But that part of the, the reading also ended with a challenge to be peacemakers and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and those who might be persecuted for righteousness, to be merciful and pure in heart. To rejoice when people wrongly accuse us on account of Jesus. Then came the part about salt and light last week. About being who we're meant to be. About living up to our calling. And now, then Jesus talked about fulfilling the law. Not doing away with the law. Remember jots and tittles. The smallest portion of the law would continue until it had all been completed. And it all seems a wee bit random, but it's not. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon about the Ten Commandments. That's the big context of this teaching. What Jesus is doing in all of chapter 5 is helping people to see the implications of the law, the commandments, the things that they all know. So let's take a wee step back before we dive in. The people who were given the commandments were newly freed slaves. They had just escaped from Egypt, remember? They had been institutionalized for generations. They had been slaves. Someone every day had told them what to do and when to do it and how to do it. 
when to get up and when to go to bed and when to eat and when to work. And now they're free. And that's brilliant for about 10 minutes. And then you get down to the serious business of, well, how on earth do we live together without someone telling us how to do it? And it all falls apart really quickly. They start to argue and fight. It's like Lord of the Flies, but much bigger. So God, through Moses, gives the people the basics. Ten rules. Ten things that will help them to live well together. Ten things are pretty memorable, aren't they? We managed to get them all this morning between us. And ten things that are pretty hard to disagree with. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't tell lies. They're pretty basic stuff, aren't they? The problem is that the Ten Commandments are a minimum standard. Don't murder. But it doesn't say that I can't come down there and punch Peter in the face. Does it? I'm not going to. Because he'd deck me if I did. So more rules are required. So the ten rules suddenly become loads and loads and loads of rules. But the Ten Commandments are the foundation of the law. All the other rules come from those rules. Just as they're still the foundation for our law today. What Jesus is doing in this bit of the, the, the sermon is pulling on the moral thread of these commandments. He's asking a, a really important question. How would the kingdom of God come about? Well, he's saying, well, the law has to be lived out. It has to be lived out fully and completely for the kingdom of God to come about. Every single tiny bit of it has to be fulfilled because the law is about right relationships. It's about living well together. It's about living in a compassionate community. And the problem with that is if, we, if you take these as a minimum standard, these rules, then that's never going to happen because I can punch Peter in the face. And he can punch me back. And all of a sudden it ends up in a great big fight. And there's no rules against that. The bar is set very, very low. Don't kill. In fact, it doesn't say don't kill. It says don't murder. Which is a different thing, isn't it? Because they have battles all the time and they kill their enemies all the time. So we end up with this list of ten things that actually we break all the time. So Jesus takes the commandments in turn. Don't murder. And he starts to pull on that thread. Murder's an end point, isn't it? Nothing comes after that. You know, it's, it's like the end. It's the worst thing to happen. The, you know, it's the point at which nothing can be done about it. It's happened. You can't make it better. You can't undo it. So Jesus asked this kind of, it's almost like a moral, a philosophical question. Where does murder start? Not where does it end, where does it start? What attitudes and behaviors need to be present for murder to be a possibility? And he pulls that thread all the way back to anger and division. Disagreement. A lack of regard for other people. An inability to resolve our conflicts. So how can we come before God with our offerings knowing that we're in an argument or a fight with our neighbours? That's the question he asks. How can we know that we owe somebody money 
But let it get to a point where the other person has to take us to court to get their money back. Blessed are the peacemakers, says Jesus at the beginning of this passage. Because that's the attitude that creates a world where murder can't happen. That's the end of the thread. Jesus turns to adultery next. I really hate it when Bible publishers give paragraphs titles. And the good news version, this paragraph is titled, Jesus teaches about divorce. He doesn't really. He does, but that's not really what he's talking about. Because he's pulling on a thread. He's talking about something much, much more than that. Divorce is another end point, isn't it? Well, except that it isn't. In the same way that murder isn't. Because they both affect the community. Not just the two people who separate. We get married in front of our communities. And when we divorce, it affects our communities too, doesn't it? In Jesus' time, divorce was only permitted by the law because of the sexual immorality of the wife. So what asked Jesus is the beginning of that. And he puts men's behavior firmly in the spotlight. Any of you who look at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in your heart. That's a hugely countercultural thing to say at that time because women were still possessions. They were given in marriage. There's still echoes of it in our, our marriage ceremony. We, we, you know, women are walked down the aisle by their dad and given away. They used to come with dowries, some sheep or some money or, you know, whatever that might be. Here, take her. I'll pay you to take her. And women were always to blame, always to blame for leading men astray. It's always your fault. There are no stories in the Bible about men being caught in adultery and stoned to death course there's not. How could it possibly be a man's fault? Because men were in charge and women were possessions. And that's what happened. It was always the women's fault. Then were their eyes and their smiles and their other bits. <laughs> so much so that women in the Middle East end up having to cover their bodies. Because men can't resist the temptation. They have absolutely no control over their thoughts, apparently. And when you pull on that string, you get through a tangled mess of the sexualization of women and the dominance of men. And Jesus cuts through it all and says, Look, men, get a grip. This is up to you. You need to do better. Your attitudes to each other, and particularly to women, are where this starts. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says at the start of the sermon. Oaths, promises are next. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, is the commandment. So where does that thread lead? False witness is telling lies. Making up stories, adding things to make the story a wee bit better or to make someone seem a wee bit worse. To paint a picture. 
And what do we say when somebody says, is that true? Oh, I swear, cross my heart. Or we swear on something else. I swear on my, you know, I swear on my life, my mother's life, my, you know, whatever it is, we make all these oaths. And Jesus is saying, do not swear at all. Because all these things you swear on, you have absolutely no control over. They're not yours to swear on. What happens when you're asked to give evidence in court? If you're a witness in court, what happens? You put your hand in the Bible and you swear. It's interesting, I've heard loads and loads and loads and loads of people get really, really angry and upset about divorce. I've never once heard a church getting really, really angry about people being asked to swear an oath in the Bible. And yet Jesus says we shouldn't do it. You know, if we're going to take the Bible seriously, we need to take it all seriously, shouldn't we? Don't, make, don't swear oaths. So actually we should be taking the affirm. You're allowed to affirm without putting your hand in the Bible. You just affirm that you're going to tell the truth. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Just say yes or no. Just tell the truth. And the end of that thread is all the little lies that we tell, isn't it? All those little untruths. All the things that we tell each other about ourselves and about each other. Blessed are people when you are reviled because of all kinds of evil that they say against you falsely. That's what Jesus says at the beginning of this sermon. This is a sermon about the kingdom of heaven. What are the conditions that will enable us to live in a new way? This way of righteousness and justice and mercy. That's what Jesus is talking about. What needs to change for that to take root and to flourish? And the answer is we do. All of us. I've said before, there really is only one commandment. The other nine are just commentary. If we loved God completely, we wouldn't need the rest of them. Because we wouldn't consider doing any of them. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's about the law, the commandments. It's about pointing out that murder and adultery and lying and cheating all have end po- are all endpoints, but they have their roots much, much further back. And our thoughts and our behaviours, our attitudes. If we think it's okay to be angry with someone, then it's just a short step to fighting with them. And then it's another short step, and another short step, and another short step, and eventually murder's okay. We rationalise it in our head that it's an alright thing to do. If we think it's okay to sexualise women and men, to see them as objects of desire, it's just a, a short step to justifying flirting. And then another short step to cheating. If we think it's okay to tell little lies, it's just a short step to a bigger lie, and then a bigger lie, and then a bigger lie. So if we sort out our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, if we focus on God, if we see each other as as people of worth, of people of value, people created by God, then we start to come close to the kingdom of heaven. Moses knew it. All those years before, in in the, the times of the Exodus and Deuteronomy, when he writes this thing down that we read today, if you obey the commands the Lord has given you, the ones I'm giving you today, if you love the Lord your God, 
walk in his ways and observe these commandments, then you'll live. And you'll become numerous and you'll be blessed. Throughout his ministry, Jesus keeps pulling on these strings. The eventual end of the string is something we've said already this morning. It's something so simple and so profound. Love God and love one another. That's the end of the thread. It's the end of all the threads. These are strong words that we read from Jesus today. Strong words that are critical of the way that we live and how we treat each other. They're hard words. But they're only hard because we know the damage that has been done. We know the damage that we can all do. They're urgent words. Urgent in the way that we we warn our children so they pull back from something dangerous. So that we pull back from our own dangers. That we move away from the darkness and towards the light. But they're words of love too. Jesus isn't just giving everybody a row. Remember, he calls us to be people who reconcile, to bring peace, to create love. These are words to help make whole all the things that are broken. Our lives, our relationships, our friendships, our trust, our reputations. And when we do that, we start to live into the kingdom of heaven. And that's Jesus' intention for all of us. To love God and to love one another. To live well together. Because in that living well together, the kingdom of God comes near. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.